That's right, everybody. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking this journey inside the Black Vault with me. I'm your host, John Greenwald Jr. And yes, we are live for this episode. I have been watching comments all morning on social media. I know I was supposed to go live yesterday with an AMA. The whole day got kind of turned upside down, not only with my own uh, personal work away from the Black Vault and that job, uh, but also ended up interviewing Matt Laszlo on this channel. He's the journalist that has been breaking quite a few different stories uh, when it comes to uh, this topic, the UAP hearings, and I thought on the eve of the hearing, I could get that show out and that would be worthwhile. Then he was doing his own event on his Discord channel. I'm not sure how many of you joined, but he was sharing some audio files from that. So it um, uh, just kind of turned upside down. And then this morning, of course, the hearing happened. Everybody has been watching with... Much interest, I will say. I tweeted this out, but I'll say it here. It was better than I thought uh, for a couple different reasons, which I'll get into. Uh, but let me preface this uh, this show by saying this. I have zero structure. I have no notes. I've got nothing in front of me. Uh, I was uh, thinking about maybe just doing a behind-the-scenes show and maybe taking some questions, and I thought, you know what? Based on the comments that I'm, I've uh, been seeing and and questions being asked, hey, are you going live? I thought, hey, let's just turn the camera on and and go for it. And so here I am. So what I'm going to go ahead and do, and it is bring broadcast not only to YouTube. So if you're not watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Twitter, if you're watching on Facebook, the chat on the YouTube channel during these shows is the most active. So if you like to have that experience, chat with others while I go through some of this stuff, go to theblackvault.com slash live, and you will be bounced to the um, uh, YouTube channel. So that's where you'll you'll find that chat room. But uh, like I said, it's being streamed elsewhere. The comments placed on those other social media networks will pop up on my window. I'm going to be doing my best to, to uh, uh, get to those questions, but uh, there's already over 400 of you watching throughout the social media platforms. The chat's going pretty crazy on my screen. So who knows what's going to happen? Um, but that said, let me let me just kind of get back to the live part of the chat room. And then I'll just kind of go backwards and see what, what questions pop up. Um, last thing I'll say on that, if you can put your questions in all caps, I know that's kind of a faux pas on the internet, but it really helps me. If you're on YouTube, Super Chats are very helpful. They support this channel, but also it makes your question pop up in full color, and it really sticks out on my side, especially with the chat going. So uh, if you do decide to, 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 to donate to the channel, just know 100% does go to this channel. I don't uh, take myself or my family out to dinner or anything like that. It goes right back into uh, either the channel itself or supporting theblackvault.com. So that being said, hopefully you guys had a chance to watch the UAP hearing. I watched with much interest, uh, obviously, and arguably David Grush was going to be the focal point of attention just because of the gravity of his claims. Now, if you're kind of new to this, uh, just know that the, the claims by David Grush are the ones that uh, kind of go into the non-human intelligence uh, craft, non-human intelligence bodies that were found. So we're really kind of getting into something that is pretty extraordinary. Uh, needless to say, I'm very skeptical of the root of his claims, but I've always said David Grush really seems not only in his News Nation interview, but even more so today that he truly uh, does believe what has been told to him. 
And that's going to be part of my afterthoughts here, digging into to that more in depth. But uh, that being said, you know, he he is the UFO whistleblower for those who, who are outside of watching this uh, every single day. Uh, obviously, Ryan Graves uh, really killed it. I mean, he was awesome up there, spoke to the aviation concern, aviation safety concerns and what needs to be done. He was fantastic. Uh, and so was David Fravor. I think that David Fravor really spoke uh, candidly. And um, that test that testimony is paramount to this conversation. So we're going to we're going to dig into all of that. But this is where I want to start. And now I'm seeing that the questions pop up here. So I'm going to do my best to tr try and stay on top of this, but also give you guys some um, some afterthoughts. Uh, DBLG, I slept in. What did I miss? Thanks to the uh, thanks to you for the support of the channel. We're going to go over it a little bit here, but your question here kind of reminded me of something else. The last hearing, I had done a more structured video than this one. These are uh, again very much off the cuff remarks about what just went down. But that that last hearing, I kind of pulled the more important sound bites so you didn't have to watch all 90 minutes and then uh really just did more of a, a highlight reel so i'm considering doing that as well depending upon how today goes uh, but that way you guys can see just more of the the highlights but check social media clips are being pulled people are posting them a thousand times over so there are some some excellent parts to to make sure that that you see Mike Green Tea, before uh, that gets too buried, thank you so much for that uh, support of the channel. Truly do appreciate it. And um, uh, here's one. Do you think this will actually lead to any change? So, uh, Paul, before I dive into it myself, I wanted to get to your qu question. I hope so. But, but, my, but my skepticism on it is what are, how interested are they? And, and I think that some of the congressmen that we saw today are incredibly interested, and we'll dive into that, I'm sure, uh, here in this video. But also some just you could tell were reading questions that were, that were fed to them and kind of did not have a clue about what they were talking about. Uh, the one that I got a kick out of, and I'm paraphrasing here because I didn't pull the exact quote, but the one guy saying there's billions uh, the, the closest civilization is billions of light years away. And, and that's so incredibly untrue. I, I, I kind of like, I, I kind of took a double take when he was saying that the closest civilization was billions of light years away or, or, or the, the closest area that it could be uh, housing a, uh, an intelligent civilization could be billions of, of light years away. And I thought, look, I'm not even an astronomer, and I can tell you that that is absolutely not true. It's not billions of light years. They don't need to, to travel billions of light years. They do have to travel great distances. But man, that was such an uninformed preface to their to her line of questioning and to their point. I don't mean to insult the congressman, but it's like, come on, if you're going to ask stuff like that, at least know what you're talking about. And so back to your question, will it lead to change? I hope so. But that change is going to come from the congressmen that actually care to look at the evidence, to hear what was said today and take action and, and go from there. And, and we'll see if that happens. Um, Jetboy33, thank you for that. What's the biggest news from this hearing? I missed it. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. I don't want to dodge your question, but it's going to be hard to kind of pull. I didn't pull clips for this, and, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase some points, uh, but we'll get to it. I do highly recommend, though, that you that you watch this uh, because it is very, very important. So away from your questions, let me take a break from that for a second and, and just kind of dive into this. 
Before I talk about the hearing itself, I want to talk about the ramp up to it. Now, for those who do follow me on social media, Twitter is where I'm most active just because it, or actually I have to say X now, right? I guess. So X is where I am most active and, and it's, it's just the, the, the way the, the formula of that social media network is it's much easier to throw out, you know, immediate thoughts and stuff like that. And, and the engagement uh, is, is obviously much bigger on X versus uh, places like Facebook, but I still uh, post everywhere. But if you follow that, you'll see that the ramp up to this, I have felt has been fascinating to see unfold. Now, if you haven't seen those posts or have no idea what I am talking about, Representative Tim Burchett, or Burchett, I think is how you correctly pronounce it, has really been spearheading this movement uh, along with Anna Paulina Luna. And between the two of them, they have really put this together. It was evident, uh, evident today at the hearing where most of the congressmen were thanking them for putting it together. So kudos to them for taking the initiative and, and putting it together. But in the process and the ramp up to this, there were a lot of claims that were made and there were a lot of uh, bombs that were dropped, so to speak, when it came especially to Tim Burchett, where he was saying, and, and again, paraphrasing what he was uh, stating, but the claims were met with pushback by the U.S. government, and I thought that this was fascinating. One of the big ones that stuck out to me was the witnesses that Tim Burchett wanted to get, that there was pushback from the Pentagon that essentially prohibited him from bringing some people in. There was also, and this goes actually to Matt Laszlo's reporting that I had on the show yesterday, that there were some people that did not pass a congressional background check. Now, I don't want to make that seem like there was criminal activity in their background, at least not that I'm aware of, uh, not that I know who the witnesses are, but essentially there's some kind of check that they have to go through and I haven't seen, and maybe I've missed it, any type of update to that on uh, what exactly that meant and, and what exactly happened. So that to me was was fascinating. Now that was rebutted by others stating, no, anybody Tim Burchett wanted, he got. So it seems like there's a little bit of, of controversy here. Did he or did he not get everybody that he wanted to uh, attend the hearing today. I think the jury is still out on whether or not he did or not. I have reached out to his office numerous times. I'd love to get him on this channel, but at the very least, get some type of comment about all of this and uh, sadly uh, have been unable to do that. The other thing that stuck out was NASA backing out of the hearing. Now, backing out was Tim Burchett's words. That's a pretty big claim. What happened? Did NASA get invited? They said yes. And then at the, the final hour, they say, forget it, we're backing out. Well, to my surprise, NASA actually responded to this in a tweet. Shout out to uh, Dan Warren, who posted the question to NASA. Dan's been on this channel as well. And he got a response from NASA stating that they did not back out of the hearing, that David Spurgel was invited. He's part of the NASA UAP investigation. He was invited, but decided not to go. Now, I'm not, I'm not vouching for either side here, but this is a fascinating thing to see unfold where you have sitting congressmen making explosive claims and allegations and the U.S. government essentially kind of 
firing back and saying, no, that that's not true at all. We also saw in the ramp up to this hearing, Tim Burchett state, uh, a little bit away from the hearing, but UAP specific, that he put in legislation for the FAA bill that was recently bantered about on Capitol Hill. And it was uh, not heard and essentially rejected. We, we heard him bring that up today in the hearing as well. Now, a lot of this stuff gets pretty confusing when you talk uh, about law and legislation and amendments and stuff like that on Capitol Hill. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't uh, understand all of the mechanics and inner workings of how all of that works uh, myself, and nor do I try and pretend to. But to see Tim Burchett's claim and then to have another congressman respond and say, hey, that's not what happened. You didn't get the amendment in on time. And uh, to further that, you had voted to essentially go against your own amendment. Uh, I haven't seen uh, that elaborated on at all. Those are amazing things to see bantered about on Twitter or on X. And and that all happened. I had retweeted one of them to kind of bring attention to the thread. But both of these congressmen, Burchett and the other, and I'm drawing a blank on his name, but were firing back at each other. So they would retweet each other and then make like another claim or respond to the other. And then the other would retweet that, which makes it very hard to kind of follow because you sh- anybody who uses uh, Twitter or X, you, you keep things in a thread. And then that way that thread can be kind of read consecutively. No, these guys were just retweeting each other, firing up their both uh, respective bases and constituents and followers. So, it, you know, that in itself was just a fascinating thing. And the last thing I'll talk about when it comes to the ramp up is the Eglin Air Force Base, what I'll call a debacle. And what we were told before this hearing, and this was, to me, the most important part of the hearing, but before the hearing, what we were told was that Matt Gates, Tim Burchett, and Anna Paulina Luna went down to Eglin Air Force Base in Florida to get a briefing on UAP. Instead, they got a briefing on threats, aerial threats, uh, but but not um, uh, more security concerns, but not specific to UAP. And as the story goes, they interrupted that that briefing and stated, wait a minute, we're here to talk about UAP. And then Congressman and Congresswoman uh, Burchett, uh, Burchett and, and Luna were denied seeing that material. Well, Eglin Air Force Base responded after the media latched onto that story and started uh, essentially discounting their their version of the story, saying that they were not cleared to hear the UAP material at Eglin Air Force Base. However, Matt Gates was. Matt Gates then was uh, shown or given this particular briefing. That was, again, I'm paraphrasing, but that was given in the Eglin Air Force Base statement. So that ramp up is incredible to see play out. And that's why I tweeted a few days ago, you know, the, the ramp up to this may end up being more fascinating than the hearing itself because I'm not vouching for either side, but when you see the sitting congressman and congresswoman uh, go against Eglin Air Force Base and NASA's responding and Eglin's responding and stuff like that, it, it was very, very cool to see play out. And I say cool because there's paper trails that go along with each and every one of those stories. And uh, as you can imagine, I've dug in on each and every one of those stories to try and get out that information. NASA was a given, so I filed there seeking out the communications between uh, Burchett's office and Luna's office and their staffers and stuff like that to try and get 
uh, David Spurgle involved, the internal communications about NASA responding via the tweet. I filed a mandatory declassification review request on the briefing material that was given to Matt Gates. Now, a lot of people ask me, do you FOIA Congress? Do I ever do that? You cannot. I've spoken about that before on this channel, but just to kind of clear that up now, uh, you can't FOIA Congress. They're, they're, they're untouchable when it comes to FOIA. However, when they are given a briefing by, let's say, Eglin Air Force Base, they absolutely are FOIA-able. So anybody who's looking to use FOIA out there, keep that in mind that even though Congress is not FOIA-able, the briefings that are given to them by military branches, by agencies and stuff like that, absolutely are. So you, you just have to find, find roundabout ways of, of requesting all of that. So that's the ramp up uh, afterthoughts. I thought that that was, you know, again, a, an amazing chain of events to see unfold. Oh, and the one that I didn't uh, mention yet was last night. And last night we were kind of led to believe, we the general people, that Tim Burchett was going to be chairing the hearing. Now, we get into a lot of semantics here, and again, the mechanics of a lot of these, a lot of these um, inner workings about how the, the congressional hearings work and Congress itself and all that stuff. But I looked it up just to make sure that I wasn't daydreaming. It was well established, not only by Tim Burchett and Congresswoman Luna, but also headlines. I found a couple on Salon.com, arguably Politico had uh, stated that essentially Tim Burchett was going to chair it. They used more of the leading term, but it, it really gave the impression that he was going to be the head of this thing. And last night, Tim Burchett had tweeted out that he was just informed he was not chairing the hearing. So even more drama erupted the night before, and then there was uh, a lot of confusion on whether or not Congressman Garcia, who's actually from my neck of the woods down in Long Beach, California, uh, that he was going to be chairing it, but he's from the minority uh, party, so he's only co-chairing, and it was actually Grothman that was chair. And and just all eruption of chaos last night uh, that, that unfolded. And um, it was, uh, again, just one of those things that, that in, in typical UAP fashion, nothing is black and white. Nothing is clear and concise. As mysterious as these phenomena are, the workings of Congress and how this all played out are pretty much on par with the same type of mystery. So why that is, who knows? I'd love to uh, to get a call back, though, from Burchett's office because I've got a list of, of questions and uh, hopefully we'll get some some answers. So before we dive into the hearing, let me uh, tackle these. I'm getting buried over here, um, approaching a thousand people now watching. So thank you all for tuning in on your respective social media. Again, a quick note, YouTube is the biz busiest channel on if you'd like to communicate with other people, just go to theblackvault.com slash live. That will bounce you to the YouTube channel and you'll see this video playing live. Any chance we could get the Alaska shootdown video uh, from Johnny Horrible? Johnny, thank you so much for that question. I tried. I, I'd love to get that. However, and this was, I don't believe it was brought up in the hearing today, but as it stands right now, how you and I are, or when you and I are chatting, the videos from the Alaska shootdowns, and in fact, all of the visuals when it comes to the shoot uh, shootdowns uh, er, earlier this year, including Alaska, are all classified. The exception was the Chinese spy balloon where they uh, ended up releasing the U-2 photograph from the cockpit. That is That had leaked anyway, so I think they just kind of realized, all right, well, it's out in the public domain. So they, they utilize that and go, well, here you go. We're being transparent. And it's like, well, no, that already leaked, but thanks anyway. Um, 
that's it. There's nothing else. So I'd love to get my hands on it. I filed FOIA requests for it and was denied across the board on all of the visuals that went along with those shoot downs. So as it stands, as you and I chat, it's all classified. They claim that it's classified. Again, they, they lean on national security. They lean on instrumentation capabilities and stuff like that. Uh, I don't want to say generic denials. I mean, obviously it tells us something. However, it's language that's very hard to pin down exactly why I have appealed those. Uh, I have appealed those cases and we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Jeremy McGowan, the Osiris Project. Thank you so much. I'm less critical of this hearing than I ex expected. I believe the disparity between Grush and Kirkpatrick is based in the definitions of evidence. Grush calls data evidence and Kirkpatrick doesn't. Well, you bring up uh, an interesting par parallel juxtaposition, I don't know, between the two characters. Uh, and, and I say characters only um, because you have two wildly different stances here. You have Kirkpatrick that says, I have no reliable evidence to show that any of this is connected to extraterrestrials. And then you have Grush who's saying that he's talked to numerous people, uh, much of which the information is classified, where they... Uh, essentially say that it's non-human intelligence, i.e. alien. Uh, we got a little bit more of, of why David Grush does not like to say alien and rather non-human intelligence, but let's be real. I mean, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about extraterrestrials here. I, I really, I think that that's much more plausible than that there's a intelligent species living in the middle of the earth that's coming out. I mean, I'm not trying to make light or a joke of it, but rather let's just be real. Um, but I would look, if I had him in front of me, I'd ask him to dig into that a little bit. Why do you, uh, feel that you need to, to to say that? Like, what are the other options? I'm not asking him to lock in any of them, but what are the other options? Um, I did hear from Matt Laszlo last night when I aired my interview with him uh, that it does touch on artificial intelligence uh, when it comes to Congress and the definition for non-human intelligence. So I think that there's more there to unpack. I don't think it's all out in the public realm yet, uh, but it should be noted that in the hearing, David Grush did go out of his way to to make sure that he didn't say alien. He kind of cor corrected or or maybe just shifted away from the wording of the congressman who asked the question, and uh, he changed it to, to non-human intelligence in his answer. Um, but is there a disparity between their definitions of evidence? I'm not entirely, Jeremy, I'm not entirely sure what you mean by that. If I were to take a guess, Kirkpatrick maybe doesn't take the he said she said stories as evidence uh but rather he needs that nuts and bolts put it in front of me let me test it let me figure it out and we'll go from there uh that may be absolutely what you mean and i would agree with you there that david grush uh is more relying on i hate to say hearsay because i know some people cringe when i say it but maybe more hearsay now i took away that he did that grush did see some type of photographic evidence uh, of not the bodies, but rather the craft. Uh, he's seen something. He dodged that question. He said that it would be in a classified setting, yet he said no to the non-human intelligence bodies. So that's a very, for me anyway, interesting way to, to look at how he answered the questions that when it came to the craft, he said, class of, if I'm recalling correctly, he said he would elaborate in a classified setting. When it came to the bodies, he said no. 
So what is he basing his claim on that? I'm I'm not really sure. Um, but uh, but great question, Jeremy, and hopefully I hit that for you. Scott Nicholson, hi from Belfast. I'm going to petition the Irish government saying I have a leprechaun in my yard with leprechaun-related vehicles near my fairy tree. Well, Scott, good luck with that. I hope that that, that plays out for you. You never know what happens on the leprechaun front and legislation there. Hold on, I'm scrolling through an enormous amount of... You guys are real busy in these chats. So um, obviously I'm, I'm shooting towards the uh, Super Chats right now on YouTube. I appreciate all of that support for those who weren't here at the top of the show. Just so you know, all of the uh, Super Chat support goes right back to the channel or the, the blackvault.com itself. I don't pocket any of it. Morgan, uh, what do you thank you for that uh, donation? What do you think about Matt Gates's comment on what he got to see in his comments on the visit to the Air Force Base? That is a fantastic question. So I'll jump ahead to that part because uh, I wanted to, to absolutely bring that up in this video. But since you are asking Morgan, here's kind of the skinny on that uh, when, when it comes to, to my viewpoint. That was the best part of the hearing in my part in my book. Um, when Matt Gates started talking about that story, this is just a guess and just kind of an opinion. I think he'll get a slap on the wrist. When he gave the details about exactly what happened at Eglin, I am not aware of that story being out in the public domain. Uh, I believe that that was the classified briefing that Matt Gates got when he w went down there with Luna and Burchett. And the details that he gave, according to the UAP security classification guide, would be classified. So the fact that he put that into an open session, I think he may get a slap on the wrist for it. Uh, that may never become public, and I may totally be wrong. But I don't think that those general details, despite a congressman stating it uh, during a hearing, is something that uh, is is 100% kosher. I, I think that he will uh, kind of get some some flack for that. And again, I, I could totally be wrong. But it goes to the bigger point about the secrecy of all of this, that all UAP encounters, and I think Graves ta talked about this as well, that all UAP encounters at this point are classified. Details are classified. You can't touch it. Uh, now, and I've done a whole video on uh, on this channel about the secrecy. For those who aren't aware, look at what I've talked about when it comes to the security classification guide. And I've been kind of throwing up the alarm on this since the end of 2021 when I got it, that this is incredibly problematic. And I've, I've got a few haters. This may surprise some people. I've got a few haters out there. And they love to throw in my face. Well, Congress is involved. FOIA is useless. Congress is involved. So they're going to get the answers. And look what happened today. And it's exactly the same secrecy that I've seen through using federal law to access information. Congress is seeing the same exact pushback. And I don't like to see that. But this has to change in order for us to get real answers that security classification guide has to change. And the fact that Matt Gates brought out that story is awesome. I, I love the fact that it's out in the open now and, and showing that uh, I think it was in the Gulf of Mexico, this encounter with, uh, with, with multiple craft, I believe is how he, he termed it. That's huge. And I, I deduced from that story that that is the, the briefing that he got that was classified that uh, that's what Burchett and Luna could not access with their current uh, security clearance level within Congress, but Gates was cleared. And uh, and that's great. 
Now, when that story came out, what is it, about a week ago, I had filed a mandatory declassification review for that specific material. So what Gates talked about today with, with much more detail, I have had a case in now for at least a week uh, to Eglin to, to review that briefing material, which would include, now we know was a photo and not video or flare footage or anything like that, and anything else related to it for declassification. So will that come out? I'm not really sure. The fact that Matt Gates just gave some details, I'm a little bit more hopeful because now it's in the public domain. Now they can't say that those, those specific details are exempt. Um, they could still try and argue that, of course, but now the public is, is aware of it. So let's, let's see a little bit more, and hopefully that case will yield something. For those who don't know what an MDR is, because I, I say it a lot, uh, in short, it's a, 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 a mandatory declassification review, MDR, and essentially it mandates a government agency or a military branch to review classified information for potential release. Some of you may have a gut reaction that says, no, that'll never happen. The 2021 classified UAP report is a prime example how it works. I had filed for that the day after the UAP report was released. There was a classified version. And although I received a redacted version of it, there was still a lot more that you can see in the classified version. And that was that was released through my case. Uh, I think it was in 2022 when that uh, when that finally came out. So the MDR pro process works. It's nothing is perfect um, at all, uh, nor is it the end all be all. However, it the process works, it does get information. So hopefully something from Eglin will will come about. Uh, but to, to, to close the thought, Morgan, you ask a great question. And um, I, I do think it, it, my initial thought is that he gave the best part of the hearing. Uh, now, not everybody will agree with me on that, but I think that that was the best part of the hearing. DBLG, thank you again for your support. Any new language learned from this to FOIA? To be honest with you, not really. Uh, more along the lines of what to FOIA when it came to uh, the the Eglin Air Force Base information from Matt Gates. Uh, however, I think my MDR will already get that because that was his briefing. So I, I didn't know the details of the case, but you don't need that to request details from a, a classified briefing that you know took place. So I was able to reference with enough uh, specificity that information, and they will be able to find it without the details Gates gave today. That was just icing on the cake that I know now a sneak peek at what that, uh, you know, what that was. I will revisit uh, Grush's. I, one thing I will say about Grush, he's an incredibly intelligent guy. You, you can tell that just by the way he presents himself. Um, I was much more impressed today than I was with the News Nation interview. That's not a put down of him personally, but rather the information. But that brings up another part about Grush, uh, Grush's um, participation in this, that there wasn't a whole lot about the more explosive claims that Grush came out with. Granted, when they did touch on it, he pushed back and said it has to be in a closed session. And that was specifically to the non-human intelligent craft and stuff like that. And he essentially fell fell back on his News Nation interview stating, and again, paraphrasing, but what I said in the News Nation interview is about as far as I can go in a open forum. So that said, hopefully the congressmen and congresswomen will be able to get into a skiff, have the appropriate clearance and hear from Grush. But that was um, 
something I want to revisit because some of the terms that he used and stuff like that, nothing stuck out really as new, but, but that's, uh, that's a part of a transcript that I would love to revisit just to kind of see, are there any other buzzwords or keywords that I can use that maybe I haven't, um, you know, haven't thought of yet, uh, or, um, heard of for that matter. UFO fanatic. Uh, do you think Grush saw photos of inside the craft or the craft inside the facility landed or just levitating instead of in the sky? I wish I could answer that for you. Uh, he obviously said that he had seen photographs. We kind of knew that from his testimony through news nation. Uh, but it's great to have this stuff under oath, but, uh, whether or not it was the inside outside flying in a facility, he dodged that he wouldn't give any more information. Hopefully, uh, Congress will be able to to get that. I have no idea time wise how far I am behind. So I apologize again, just trying to get to the super chats first and foremost, uh, because I do really appreciate that support of this channel. And then uh, once I get caught up, which it seems like I might be, um, I will do my best to stay on top of this uh, chat, but all caps is a big help. Try not to flood the channel if I miss your question, but feel free to repost it if necessary. I will do my best to try and uh, uh, get to all of them. Carmen uh, or Carmine, hopefully I have that pronounced correctly. Does any of this make Bob Lazar more credible? Here's the deal for me when it comes to Bob Lazar. No, uh, it doesn't. And it's not because I'm, I'm apprehensive to believe Bob's story. I mean, his claims have been around for decades it it doesn't for me it doesn't change the problems that i've had with the story already um i i kind of dropped on social media a, a little bit of a joke but now it's turned into a push to have me do a deep dive into the bob lazar story and kind of explore the issues with it because stanton friedman when he was alive my dear friend for 20 plus years loved that man miss him dearly uh, and he's sorely missed in this conversation, did a great job uh, when it came to really researching Bob Lazar, his background, and, and formulating a list of questions that go against the credibility of Bob Lazar. At the end of the day, Stanton was right. It, there was a lot of unanswered questions that you just can't answer when it comes to Bob Lazar. So just because da and David Grush could be absolutely telling the truth, and, and the claims, meaning that they are verifiable one day, that to me doesn't change Bob Lazar's story. Now, if Congress verifies it and and we have justification for Bob, hey, I'll be the first to say it. I'll be the first to bring it to you. I think it would be great. I wish Bob Lazar's story was true. But I'm sorry, I just don't I just don't buy it at this point. There's too much that works against it. So for me, Grush's claims are intriguing. I am admittedly highly skeptical of them for numerous reasons. Uh, I did a dedicated video to to his claims on News Nation when he came out with that. And those questions 100% still stand. I don't think I saw anything answered today uh, that would uh, address the concerns that I brought up. However, I will stress, I was more impressed with David Grush today and, and his um, presentation of the material. I'm just not sure if the congressmen and congresswomen that were questioning him really pushed on the important buttons there when it came to David Grush's claims. Now, I'm not looking for them to to harp on him, give him heat uh, disrespectfully or anything like that, but push, push for as much publicly available information that he can give out and, and make sure that, that we the people are informed along with the uh, respective congressmen and, and women and, and the committees. I, I didn't see that. Uh, did see some skepticism, obviously. I did see some touch on it, 
but not as many as I think should have. So that's an onion in itself. I think that it, and again, in a perfect world, uh, my two cents, if it's even worth that Grush would have been uh, solo. And I think that there should be a dedicated hearing just, just for his claims. And, and that's what I think we need to, to get to one point that, that I'll, I'll kind of stop taking questions for a moment, if I may, and, and make this point, David, um, David Fravor and, and Ryan Graves were excellent today. Their, their testimony, as I said earlier in this video, it's paramount to the conversation. However, I feel that we, we need to move beyond it only because the foundation with voices like theirs is solid and it's been solid now for a couple of years. And we've heard about this now being acknowledged by the U.S. military that that pilots like Fravor, like Graves, and so on, bring so much to the table that they've created the Aero Office and prior to that AOI MSG and the UAP Task Force and arguably, you know, other uh, older programs than that, that we've now established such a strong base, in my opinion, that we don't need to have a hearing with more witnesses because as great as Graves was, as great as Fravor was, you can line people up out the door by the testimony of Kirkpatrick of cases and subsequently witnesses that would likely be just as credible with experiences that would be just as interesting. But Congress doesn't need to hear that anymore. We have that on the record. ODNI has created two UAP reports. We see these phenomena as still unexplained, and albeit a small percentage, in the words of Kirkpatrick, there are still cases that are truly anomalous. That was how Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, who heads the Arrow effort, that's how he termed it. That's what they need to focus on and move forward. We now have that base, okay? So I, I want to repeat the stressing of how important Fravor and Graves was today and how they've been in the past. Uh, so I mean no disrespect by that. But Congress needs to put agency heads in those seats. They need to put people that have been having an arm or a hand or their whole body involved in this secrecy they need to slap them in that chair, and that's where we need to see the heat. That's where we need to see it turned up, and they need to be questioned about decades of secrecy that their respective agencies have upheld for uh, way too long. That's what we need to see. And Grush, uh, I believe, should have been there, so so it's great that we have him under oath. However, I think that that instead of talking about the importance of air safety, which we've established, talking about um, the importance of UAP as a whole and how it needs to be addressed, which, which we've established. And instead of talking to witnesses who have had these odd encounters, which we've established, we need to get Grush there, say under oath what he can publicly, which he has now done, and get the people that he talked to in that chair. Where were they? And that's the issue that I have from a pessimistic standpoint. pessimistic standpoint. Where were they today? Why weren't they in the chair? And and if that makes Bob Lazar more credible, to go back to your question, then great. But we're not going to get there until we put those bodies in the chair, those that are working on the programs. And at the very least, get them in a skiff and get them whistleblower protection. But at this point, why hasn't it happened yet? 
And I know that Congress moves at, at the at pace of molasses in the winter, and that's fine. But we're talking about humanity altering information and claims. So you'd think they may want to like, you know, turn it up a little bit when it came to the speed also and, and figured out what is going on. And if you put Kirkpatrick in a chair as well, again, he's already been there. But if let's just say they want to fall back on Arrow's claims, sit them right next to each other. I mean, I honestly, I'm not looking for fireworks because I want to watch an MMA battle or anything, but rather put them in the seat next to each other and have them essentially duke it out. You've got one that's trying to get the evidence, says there's nothing credible. Another one who swears to high heaven there is. So what's the problem? Why can't we have that? So that's what I would love to, that's what I would love to see in a situation like this moving forward. But again, I, I had tweeted a list. If you haven't seen it, I think I posted it here on YouTube uh, as well. Look at the list of people that I put forward. It's not all inclusive of everybody I would want, but rather a start of the people that need to be grilled, including the Department of Defense Inspector General, the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community. And despite my skepticism about David Grush's claims, put that aside. That ICIG could absolutely address what, if anything, they have done to try and, and look into the claims of David Grush that he's now put into congressional record, but he is now talked about openly through News Nation or, you know, he did once or twice, but uh, rather the mainstream media uh, has covered it. So build off of that and move forward. So those two inspector generals, I think I would love to see up there. The United States Air Force secretary uh, right now, why are they not only mum about this topic, but one thing that did not come up at the hearing today, which I would love to see addressed in the future, is the fact that in the late 1990s, all the way to, to about 2008, the United States Air Force had a manual on the books that was not left over from the 60s. It was actively updated on how to report unidentified flying objects, not UAP even, but unidentified flying objects and where to send it to. This was on the books. And each and every United States Air Force pilot was under mandatory instruction to follow it. It was not a UFO specific manual, but rather it was a, a, a chapter in a much bigger manual, 10-206 for anybody who's taking notes. I have had it on the Black Vault for, I guess, decades now. Uh, and that is something of massive importance because the, the testimony today of Graves, incredibly uh, uh, important for this and, and aircraft safety. I want the Air Force to answer not only for the secrecy about UAP that they've had for decades and, and the obfuscation there, but why did they take it off the books? For those who don't know the story, the Huffington Post was covering the Black Vault uh, around 2008, 2009 timeframe, or I forget exactly when um, uh, back then, but so I'm going back a little bit aging brain and all. Uh, but it was around that time frame. And within 48 hours of the United States Air Force getting contacted by the Huffington Post to do their due diligence on covering the document that I brought forward and the fact that UFOs was still in there, 48 hours later, they completely rewrote the entire manual. And chapter five, which is where the UFO chapter was, was gone. 48 hours after. So what's going on there? Like those types of things tell me that whatever it is about UAP, whatever the root of it is, and back then it was still UFOs the way it should be termed, 
they're going to great lengths to cover it up. Now, some, again, I want to stress this point. Some react to that and go, well, there's probably leftover from the 60s. You guys highlighted it and, you know, they just didn't want to be embarrassed. But the problem was I was able to prove through FOIA that that manual, again, 10-206, was updated numerous times into the 2000s. And never once did they take UFOs or feel the need to take UFOs out. It wasn't until the mainstream media was going to actually spotlight it. And they went, uh-oh, you know, we, we have no... Back then, there was no interest in UFOs whatsoever. Much different conversation. And what did they do? Covered up the whole thing. Then they returned the call to Huffington Post and said, oh, it's just a coincidence. We updated the manual. We're no longer interested. So these are the types of people that need to be in the chair and answer for their respective agencies and military branches about the actions that they themselves have played a role in or their predecessors did. Either way, they represent that agency now, so they should address it. They, this should be brought to their attention. That's where the heat needs to be. So even though I'm, I'm encouraged by today's hearing, I think it's great. There were some, some big highlights, some of which we've already touched on. My, my other point of view here is it's time to get the right people in the chair and really punch that security and, and figure out why they don't want to deal with this. Channel YouTube, wondering how you still believe in FOIAs. Um, well, look, FOIA gets a bad rap, especially by those who think uh, that congressional legislation will somehow trump national security and get out everything you want to know. And we're on a path to disclosure. Now, FOIA is often attacked, ridiculed, and me personally belittled for still using it. However, as evident today, and in the past week, Congress receives the same pushback because the same secrecy applies to them as it does to the FOIA. So no congressional legislation is going to change that. Even the Schumer bill that, that has been created. And look, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to dive into that until it's passed and, and law. Things change all the time on Capitol Hill. But as it stands right now, let's just say in a perfect world that they create this uh, for those who aren't aware. Schumer created this legislation that would create a, a, a records review board, and they modeled it after the JFK assassination records review board that uh, was tasked to review all records about the JFK assassination many years ago um, and release that information. The intent, especially with President, when President Trump was in office, was to release everything. He wanted to turn Washington upside down. We know that whether you like him, love him, hate him, or don't know what to think, uh, Trump wanted to turn things upside down. And when it came to the JFK assassination, he wanted it all out in the open. Now I'll nutshell the, the story for you. The records review board went in, records review board went in, they were heavily delayed. Uh, they kept pushing the deadlines and so on and so forth. They were releasing a ton of information, uh, but they were definitely missing the, the, the deadlines. And in the end, the intent to release everything fell way short. There are still thousands and thousands of pages that they have not released. And the one man who was sitting in the White House at the time who wanted to turn Washington upside down and wanted all of that in the open, guess what he did? He agreed with the secrecy at the end of the day. And he signed off on the intelligence community keeping those documents secret. Now, what's the moral of the story? Well, this new records review board on UAP is modeled after, you guessed it, the JFK Assassination Records Review Board. And now we know how that turned out. So anybody who wants to knock FOIA, 
I think is forgetting a major factor here. That secrecy just doesn't vanish. And that secrecy as defined in federal law, specifically Chapter 5, United States Code, Section 552, is going to absolutely transfer over to, let's say, that legislation that Schumer passes that mandates a records review board. They're not going to say, oh, this this would apply to this exemption, but you know what? Uh, Schumer's got this bill, so let's release it. It doesn't do that. And in fact, a lot aren't realizing that there is actually a 25-year mandate um, that, that it has to, to be declassified after 25 years uh, after the document is created. Well, look, I'm no attorney, but I can tell you firsthand that let's say everything that we are seeing through Arrow uh, and even backwards through the UAPTF and so on, we are looking at decades before then the, the mandated you need to release this to the public is even met. The record FOIA I have is 14 and a half years. Now that's awful to wait, but it still pales into comparison as the 25 year language on his bill. Now I'm very much skimming the surface. There's a lot more legal details, which I won't bore you with now, but again, people still knock FOIA, but at the end of the day, it's going to be faster than Schumer's memo. And it is produced as a, I speak right now has produced more results than legislation has. Legislation is only making it worse at this point. Why do I say that? I think it's great Arrow's funded. What did Arrow do? Arrow has now locked down releasing any UAP-related re material. Any. And in fact, it's all. Despite what has been released thus far. So that's the exception. Everything created thus uh, from here on out. They are exempting. They found a way to lock it down. So... It's great that they got funded. It's great they're doing the research, but we can't see any of it. So I think to your question, why do I still believe in FOIAs? Because they get results. And I have millions of pages that deal with UFOs and outside of UFOs to prove it. And although I get passionate with responses like this, and I don't mean any disrespect to the to the question, because I'm always happy to answer it. There are those out there that truly are degrading against not only me personally, but the use of the FOIA. And mark my words, you're going to need it more than ever. I will stand by that statement. You will need it more than ever, even if Schumer's legislation passes. And my closing thought on that is, when Congress gets pushback like they are with this topic and they don't get answers from agencies, do you know what they turn to? The FOIA. Rand Paul is a prime example of that, especially with the uh, COVID information that he was trying to get. I think it was from the NIH. And he, had to, he his staffers, uh, and so on had to turn to FOIA or organizations that were utilizing FOIA to get those answers. So we like to think that Congress is all-knowing, all-powerful. They can do whatever they want and find that out. But you know what? Again, I'll repeat it a thousand times over. You will need FOIA more than ever during the next couple of years. Alien at the Pentagon, thank you so much for that blank message. Uh, so no question there, but thank you for the support. Simon Mumby, will more whistleblowers come forward about the recovery of non-human craft? And do you think there is truth behind these claims? I'm not a fortune teller, so I have no idea. But will it surprise me? To be honest with you, no. Um, I At this point, Again, the, the foundation when it comes to witness testimony, UAP, rock solid. We now have a foundation building with a whistleblower that there is, there is 
information out there. There are programs out there uh, that are above congressional oversight and uh, obviously in the classified realm. So that foundation is building. And, and again, despite my skepticism, that foundation is starting nonetheless. So we need to build on that. If we have another witness that comes out and has more, he said, she said stories, will that make the foundation stronger? Uh, arguably not really. I mean, not in my book, unless they come with something to act on something that's actionable, something that Congress can act on, something that uh, people like me can act on. If if it's just more of the, oh yeah, there's bodies there, there's, there's non-human craft, I just can't uh, tell you more about it. Look, that's great. And a lot of people would lap that up. They, they would say, oh, that, that foundation's getting even stronger. But at the end of the day, we still don't have more evidence. So will they come out? Your guess is as good as mine, but it won't surprise me. These claims have been around for quite some time. In fact, even David Grush's claims are not out of the ordinary for anybody who's watched the decades past of UFO uh, people that have come forward. Uh, Grush was just a little bit different because of the way that he brought it out and submitting that IG complaint and then uh, getting a Dopser review of, of what he wanted to say to the public. Uh, all of that is great, but in the same respect, brings a lot of baggage when it comes to questions that I'll say again, after this hearing, we're not answered. Will they get answered in the future? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, here you are again, uh, alien at the Pentagon. Thank you for that. And a question to boot John, please acknowledge that Grush could be lying and this all could be disinformation. Absolutely. That's a possibility. Um, if I had, look, if I had a choice between him lying and being part of a disinformation campaign or Grush is telling the truth on what he believes is the truth, but people are using him, I would side with the latter, that, that people may be using him in some disinformation. But I'm never one that's hopped on that train like there's this gigantic PSYOP, you know, operation underway, you know, PSYOP effort to, to, to um, misinform the public. But it absolutely can be going on. I mean, you look at the evidence, they've done it before uh, in regards to saying one thing to the general public but obviously it's not true. Are they doing that here? I'm not, I'm not sure, but it is alarming nonetheless. I mean, uh, who's being used the general public Congress, David Grush, the people that David Grush is talking to who, you know, who is being played here, if anybody. So, um, it's not hard for me to acknowledge that he could be lying because he could be lying. <laughs> I mean, I've said it before. I just don't, he doesn't strike me as that guy who's just sitting there, concocting the story uh to sit in front of congress and lie to them but rather he may be lied to uh as well and i think that that's a definite possibility or being used you know for whatever for whatever reason and then those are things i i i have no idea how to answer because i don't know uh, KW Weller nine. Thank you so much for that support. No question attached, but I, I do appreciate it. Uh, as I thumb through here there, <laughs> I know I'm uh, missing a lot. Uh, that's one of the most recent Zima Greenwald does know how to keep his feet on the ground. A true professional. I appreciate that. It's very, very cool of you to say, uh, I know that, that not buying into everything is not always popular, uh, in some circles. I'm not, uh, liked in all corners of, of the universe, but, uh, that being said, I, I appreciate those kind words. Thank you. 
Johnny Horrible, could the Guy Hoddle memo be considered historical evidence of crash retrievals? If not, what evidence is most com- convincing to people on the fence? So, uh, Johnny, if you're not aware, uh, I had, uh, in the past six months or so, received the fully unredacted version of the Guy Hoddle memo, and it was revealed who was redacted name-wise. Uh, so definitely check that out on the blackvault.com if you're not sure uh, where it is. Just put in Guy Hoddle or Hotel uh, in the search box. You'll be able to get that a fully unredacted version. This is the one, though, that talks about alien uh, bodies and crash retrieval. It's often pointed to years ago. It was the number one most downloaded document from the FBI's website when they finally uh, showed it. In short, though, I know that's, that, that there's a lot of pushback on the story here, that it, it was not a classified um, uh, crash re- evidence of crash retrieval, but rather that claims were made. Uh, I think it was Silas Newton uh, at that time frame. I'm kind of wrestling if the, that was exactly the name. Um, but essentially hoaxers around that time frame had these stories that found their way to the to the FBI. Claims were made. It was documented. Uh, but there was really nothing that was done per the evidence. I mean, of course, things can be destroyed. But per the evidence, it just kind of wasn't taken seriously. But I think a lot of people connected to those those uh, uh, hoaxers through that time frame versus real material. So material meaning crash retrieved material. So that said, I mean, I, I I don't think that that's the number one thing I would point to. It's fascinating nonetheless. I mean, it's just another piece of the puzzle of a much bigger mystery. Um, what would I what would I point to for the uh, convincing people on the fence. Well, when it comes to crash retrievals, look, there's, there's nothing that I can show you where you go, Hey, like this is, this is, this is an irrefutable evidence of a crash retrieval program. So along the lines of what Grush is claiming, uh, that is something that's going to be very tough to, 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 to verify. But what I can say with 100% certainty is that there are documents that that have even uh, photographs of material connected to UAP or, as the Army put it, flying saucers. And one I've brought up uh, before in uh, quite quite a bit actually in, in the past, just because of the interesting correlation to a UA, UFO encounter uh, that came decades later where somebody had an alleged piece of something that fell off of a UFO that they saw and it nearly matched a, uh, string of photographs, kind of very poor photographs, but photographs nonetheless from the U S army. And it was found in a folder labeled flying saucers. And the fact that there was a correlation between this flying saucer file that the U S army had and somebody's UFO encounter uh, was pretty amazing to me. Now, there's a huge, huge, huge pushback on this by the skeptical community saying that it was just factory slag of metal that that is found after you use a machine and metal kind of keeps piling up and it creates this very interesting effect. And uh, and I will say that that the, that rebuttal is very convincing when you look at the material that uh, that you can see from this other encounter that came, I think it was in the 1980s, and uh, the photographs uh, from the army, and then you look at the slag that people have found with um, uh, f- from various factories and so on to to rebut this. So it's very convincing. But when he first came out with his story, meaning this this witness, his name was Bob White. 
he didn't know about these files that remained secret within the US Army that were labeled flying saucers that had photographs of something that was very similar. So what are the odds? You know, is that just one major coincidence? I don't know. I'm not here to say that this is proof of aliens. Uh, but it's a very interesting correlation between a, a UFO encounter uh, by a witness who passed multiple lie detector tests. I had him on a history channel show. In fact, two of them uh, that I produced many years ago. And uh, he was great. I mean, he was just candid, straightforward. Uh, this was my this was my encounter. This is what I found. Still had the piece. I held it myself. I have no idea what to think of it. Uh, but there's a there's a lot of layers to that particular onion to to unfold. Uh, but that was his story. And then when you look at these old army files, you go, wow, that's a really interesting connection. So the skeptics that want to say, well, you can um, you can recreate this in a factory, ergo, what this guy had came from a factory. Well, what if it was just made in a similar way in a propulsion system? Again, not saying it's aliens, but what if there's some kind of um, material that just gets ejected from time to time on these types of propulsion? I don't know. I'm just saying like we can't immediately discount it because there's these interesting correlations. Uh, so that's one thing that I point to where these army files connects flying saucer and a piece that they had. But where did that piece go? Your guess is as good as mine. No photos were attached to this, but in the 1970s, there are CIA documents that talk about material of some kind. We don't know exactly what, but material was taken to a CIA scientist. Names were redacted, so I can't name them for you. But uh, essentially, years after Blue Book closed, there was material of some kind that was brought to a CIA scientist by somebody else uh, in CIA headquarters, I believe, and his recommendation was redacted. So what was it that they brought? What did the CIA have at that time frame when it was connected to UFOs, which was, was well-documented and why is the recommendation by the scientist redacted? What's classified about it? You know? So it, it, those, those interesting pieces of the puzzle show that there, there is material there, whether it's alien or not, I don't know. But there are documented instances that connect UAP or UFOs or in the Army's case, flying saucers and physical material. And that connects to the Army and that connects to the CIA. That's verifiable that those aren't leaked documents or anything like that. How much more is there? I, I don't know. But if there's one, if there's two, if there's five, chances are there's more. And and I think that uh, that's something to explore. So, Johnny, to your question, um, it's, it's a hard one to really definitively say, look at this one document, because that's part of the, the secrecy here. There are multiple pieces of the puzzle, but you rarely get to see the full picture. And you really have to meticulously sit down and start piecing it all together and realizing, okay, these aren't just two or three coincidences, but rather hundreds and arguably thousands of pieces of evidence uh, that show a much bigger picture than the, the U.S. government wants us to, to see. But the answers aren't black and white, and it's not easy. So if somebody's on the fence and you want to show them one thing, that's hard, man. It really is because it's a really complex topic and one that's very, very hard to, to nutshell. Journey's End, uh, thank you for that. Have you seen the redacted podcast interview with Jon Stewart, who claims the new designation for gray aliens is Saber Synthetic Astrobiological Extraterrestrial Races? Is it worth making a FOIA request for the term? I haven't seen the full podcast, but I know what you're talking about. I've seen the clips. I've seen uh, how they're essentially vouching for the the video that's been around for, God, decades. 
uh, of the alien interrogation video. Uh, that always struck me as a little bit, um, shall I say, hokey. Uh, just, just simply because it's it's one of those things that that stems from, uh, and don't quote me on the on the time frame, but it kind of stems from the '90s and like a VHS copy of a copy uh, that's that's kind of poor grade. Is it is it puppets? Is it something else? I know that sounds silly to some, but when you look at it, it it is kind of hokey. So when this started getting bantered about, I'm familiar with it. Um, I'm I'm just not a hundred percent sold uh, that this is a legitimate video. Is there uh, a FOIA request possibility here? There's always a FOIA request possibility. Um, I, I just don't have high hopes that all of a sudden, you know, that in a, in a keyword search like that, they're going to come up with something. But always worth a, a try. Admittedly, I have not yet. Um, and, and I wouldn't mind trying. Stuff like that, though, and, and I'm, I'm going to plug this story because it's incredibly important for those who, who aren't aware of it. There's a internal like Wikipedia style database called Intellipedia. So you all know Wikipedia, that online dictionary, anybody can go or encyclopedia, I should say uh, that you can go and be an editor and, and uh, contribute and rewrite and so on. The intelligence community has the same thing. It's called the Intellipedia. There's three different versions of it, uh, an unclassified, a secret and a top secret, all of which has uh, literally millions of pages. I won that through FOIA. Uh, to discover how big it was. That was classified prior, but a uh, FOIA appeal win. To whoever asked about the FOIA, why do I believe in it? Well, it's cases like that. Even though I did have to appeal, the process worked. And I discovered there are literally millions of pages. And that would be a prime, absolute prime uh, system to do a keyword search on on this, you know, SABER acronym. Would it come up with anything? Look, I don't, I don't know, but I've been pleasantly surprised before. Element 115 and Bob Lazar actually came up in, in, in it. Uh, there was nothing uh, revelatory about it, uh, but rather I was surprised and, and, and pleasantly surprised uh, to be um, uh, surprised. <laughs> Sorry to use that word 500 times, um, but I was, I, was, I was surprised to see it and, and encouraged to kind of file more request and, and see what that Intellipedia system has. So that would be perfect. But they have shut down after me getting documents for 10 plus years, they have shut down uh, filing FOIA requests for it. I'm trying to get more eyeballs on that story. I think it is a huge hit to government transparency, not only about UFOs, because there's a lot of UFO stuff in it uh, that I discovered, but um anything you can think of was in the Intellipedia system and it is now all off limits. So I wanted to kind of plug that story to show you guys that there's a lot of secrecy uh, that that's at play here, not only specifically to UAP, but even beyond it. And when you get these new type of terms, they're shutting down ways to, to access material on it. And again, even though I would be skeptical that this would come up with anything, it's shut down nonetheless. So hopefully we'll, we'll get some more, um, eyeballs on that story and, and get some change. I have appealed. In fact, I filed more than 170 appeals to the National Security Agency. They'll aggregate them all, which means they'll put them all together. But it was more the principle that they denied that many cases in the course of about four weeks to me. So I appealed each and every one. And we'll see how that turns out. My buddy Ryan Sprague. Uh, hi. Uh, and to the audience. Wow, what a day, Ryan. You're absolutely right. I uh, hope you're doing uh, doing well, man. It's good to see you in here. I have no idea how long ago that was sent. Let me see, 44, so I'm about seven minutes behind. So I apologize. I'm doing my best. But Ryan, thanks for, for popping in. 
Pat, thank you uh, for your support. Why do you think Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick downplays these programs existing? In his recent interview, he said, I have access to everything I need to know. It's a great question. Let me find the best way to, to address it. So I don't know if he's purposely or maliciously downplaying the, these types of, I assume you mean crash retrieval programs existing. He may not know or have access. Now, I uh, do not claim to have received this. I believe it was Liberation Times that received it first, but I'm pulling up my email. That's why my eyeline is completely uh, bad to you right now. I'm looking at a different mon monitor. Um, I haven't matched up word for word, but uh, credit to Liberation Times uh, for getting this uh, this um, uh, statement about a month ago, I think it was, or three weeks ago. I, I was trying to push, based on Sean Kirkpatrick's interview, that he had access to everything he needed to know. I wanted to push back on that, on whether or not his testimony, like well, whatever it was a month ago or six weeks ago or two months ago, it's all a blur in my head on how quick uh, this earth is turning. But regardless, the last hearing that Kirkpatrick was at, whatever time frame that was, when he said uh, about Title 50 clearance and that he didn't have full access and Senator Gillibrand essentially responded that and said, we'll, we'll work on that, get you the appropriate clearance or access or whatever, uh, that may have changed uh, from the interview that aired a, a week or two ago on, on uh, TV, which was his first television interview. So pushing on the Pentagon a little bit, I finally got a response. Uh, she, meaning Susan Goff, owes me a ton of answers that ha that stretch back months. And sadly, I can't get responses to most. But she was quick to, to respond to mine on this simply because I think that she had already given a statement out about it. Um, this actually came this morning because I was pushing last week and I think she was traveling. But uh, John, there is no impediment to Arrow receiving all UAP related information past or present regardless of level or origin of classification by law arrow may receive all uap related information at all levels of classification regardless of whether the original classification authority for self for such information is within dod or the intelligence community so obviously the intelligence community part would include the cia and so on so more of the the title 50 authorities nutshell he has access to everything so when i had pushed back last week and this was her response which was the same wording that we already got what i was what i was asking her more specifically which i did not get an answer to was what if anything had changed from the hearing that that kirkpatrick said what he did to his tv interview something must have changed because he expressed concern so if nothing changed then what happened? And that to me is kind of that red flag. It's like, well, wait a minute. Not too long ago, you're saying you don't have access. Now you're telling people you have access and the official line is nothing's changed. Well, that doesn't seem right to me either. So I think that there's um, some layers to that that have not been revealed yet, but that came in at 844 this morning. Uh, so ironically, I, I think the hearing was still going on, uh, the UAP hearing. So she was answering emails finally. Uh, so there you go. Uh, but again, credit to Liberation Times. I think they, they already got that statement. Um, I just haven't matched it yet. All right. So scrolling through here, doing my best to get all of them. I uh, really appreciate all of you showing up. Still over a thousand people watching right now throughout the, the, the social media network. So thank you for that. Um, 
if you weren't here at the top of the show, if you're interested in a chat room, a live chat room, but you're watching on Facebook or uh, Twitter, this is broadcasting on, go to theblackvault.com slash live, and that will bounce you to the YouTube channel. That is definitely where the majority of conversations going on. James, wouldn't an unstoppable, extremely fast transmedium machine be an awfully good defense to possibly all forms of nuclear weapon? UAP could be a bluff. Well, uh, speaking a little bit more broadly to, to your, the first part of what you said there, I mean, absolutely, UAP could be a bluff to cover up something. I've spoken a lot about the what I term the counterintelligence value to the UAP conversation. And I know some some kind of argue, well, you know, you're talking about PSYOP. No, I'm not. I'm talking about counterintelligence value where we may have technology that in the course of investigating a true portion of a of, of these UAP as unexplained during that conversation, you can cover up the technology that we know we do have that may display characteristics that are abnormal. And just kind of make it seem like a mystery. Now, where does that counterintelligence value come in? Well, it confuses the heck out of everybody. Number one, us, the general public. But number two, people all around the world, world governments, other intelligence agencies, they have no idea what we know or don't know, have or don't have. And in that counterintelligence value, they can also cover up the fact that we know that China has something or Russia has something or Iran has something or whatever. Now, granted, it's probably not a tic-tac in the way that David Fravor uh, talks about it. So please, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying that part. What I am saying, though, in the broader scope of all of this uh, is that there are ways to use this conversation for counterintelligence purposes. So part of UAP could be a bluff. I just don't buy that all of it is a bluff. There's too much history uh, and too much documented evidence to to ignore it. So scrolling through here. Yeah, so I, th I think I'm. I think I'm caught up. At least I think anyway. Clark Kent, what if it is all an elaborate PR viral marketing campaign by the makers of Tic Tac? I don't believe that because, I mean, then they sat on their viral marketing campaign from the 2004 incident and stories for years in hopes that somebody would bring it forward. Uh, but they have utilized it. <clears throat> Excuse me. They have uh, done social media campaigns and stuff like that to 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 kind of uh play off of it a little bit i don't remember exactly how they did it but the tic tac twitter account i think is what tweeted it out and i'm sure they did it on other social media so um i'm sure that was in good fun but uh but no i i, I doubt that that there's that um man you guys got some some great yeah you guys got some great comments here Uh, Alien Watchboard 20 <laughs> comments on the IRAD claim. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I remember him talking about IRAD and stuff like that. I don't remember off the top of my head exactly what he said. Obviously there was a lot said at the hearing. I'm happy to revisit that. Um, and I'll make a note of it. I'm sorry. I can't address it, but I saw your question. Didn't want to, uh, didn't want to ignore it. So we'll, we'll definitely, uh, revisit that. Uh, I'm trying to get a, a copy of the the whole hearing so I can make a transcription and stuff like that. But 
sadly, YouTube live videos, I don't really know how to rip them out. <laughs> so I'm looking for another copy. If anybody has one, please let me know. <clears throat> GFX mod. Hello, John. My question, would you consider that the so-called disclosure has now officially begun? Well, look, that's a great question. And obviously it comes down to your definition of disclosure. Most people's definition of disclosure with a capital D is that the U.S. government is essentially admitting to or, or acknowledging a extraterrestrial presence. Uh, sadly, no, I, I don't I don't think that uh, that process is beginning. Uh, I don't think it's begun. Uh, I don't think uh, it will begin, even if they do have evidence. What I'm hoping is the beginning is Congress waking up to what they heard today and taking action. And I believe that there will be a portion of what they heard today that will absolutely be verifiable and it will reinforce the importance of the topic. And I absolutely believe that part of what they heard today, they will find no evidence of. And whether or not that means that David Grush is lying or he was lied to, I don't really know. But I believe that, look, if Grush is, is truly telling the truth, they're going to get a lot of pushback. So they need to find the right and appropriate ways to push. And the right and appropriate ways to push is to get those people that David Grush is talking to. And hopefully those skiff conversations will, will bear that out. Um, but I just I don't see that happening yet. I know I'll get hate mail for saying it. Uh, about the disclosure process uh, not beginning, but I, again, I just, I just don't, um, I don't see it. There are too many concerns for me about David Grush's claims that I think um, are standing in the way of that. For and that's just me personally. Look, a lot of people hear David Grush and go, "This is it. It's disclosure," and that's great. I mean, I'm glad that some people feel that way. But for me, I need, I need more than this. I mean, I don't, I don't want to hear that he heard from somebody else the story. I want to hear from that someone else. And I think that that's important to this conversation now. And I hope the next person, if they come out, will be that person or someone to that effect. So many people fall back on, they have security oaths, their life is being threatened, they'll go to jail. Now, I really hope that their life is not being threatened. But if it is, then they'll have proof on who's saying it. And you know what? I believe, after what I saw today, that there are a couple of congressmen that would just fight tooth and nail to ensure that whomever is doing the threatening would come to light. I, I mean, I believe that. So if that's going on, let's make sure that the proper authorities, which David Grush said uh, they were forwarded to, is, is going on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hopefully have a little bit of faith in the government when it comes to that, because that's ridiculous. Being put in jail, though, I respectfully push back on, and I don't, I don't believe that. When it comes to this, the U.S. government's stance, meaning the Department of Defense and Arrow heading uh, the UAP investigative movement, stating that there's nothing extraterrestrial. If somebody comes out with irrefutable proof and says that it is, even though it may be classified, I cannot, for the life of me, see any justification for putting that person away when humanity changes. Full stop. They're not giving troop locations in a classified territory. They're not talking about humanitarian crises that would create a, a, a huge national security concern on bad stuff that we've done as a U.S. military or whatever the story may be when it comes to past leaks, which we've seen the repercussions of stuff like that. But that wasn't humanity altering information that changed our place in the cosmos. 
it, it's it it's not the same in my book. If somebody came out with that irrefutable proof, just imagine the anarchy that would happen if they got arrested or disappeared. I don't look, maybe I'm just being a maybe I'm oblivious. Uh, I'll I'll admit it. I don't see it though. I mean, somebody's got to give me some type of an example where somebody was just erased with something like this. And there's never been anything like this, but I just don't see people going to jail. And a lot of people don't like, like my viewpoint on that because they think that they're, that they would go to jail and be locked up and so on and so forth. But if the U S government stance is that there's absolutely no evidence and that person comes out with evidence and proves the government wrong, think of the anarchy that would happen against the government, the same government that lied to you and the same government that was proven wrong. If that same government took that person who changed the world and said, you're going away, you're going away for a long time. There's no way that would happen. I don't buy it. So we're not talking about an Edward Snowden type leak. We're not talking about uh, the other leaks, even the recent ones where classified information shows up on discord. This is a totally different ball game and one that I, I, again, if I'm oblivious, I'm oblivious, but I would love for people to make the argument that the government would get away from that, uh, get away with that. I should say, I don't, I don't see it. I, I don't think that that would happen. So hopefully, uh, we'll get that type of a whistleblower that comes out and, and shows us something like that, because I, I, I believe that maybe technically they would be violating a security oath. Sure. But I think that that needs to happen, and I don't think that they would be in trouble or or put away, and and that's based on what I just saw today. I think that there are enough, there's enough support in Congress that if somebody had that irrefutable proof, they can come out with it and and call it a day and be and be safe at at the end, uh, because if not, the anarchy would be insanity. Johnny Horrible again, Johnny. Thank you so much. I just read a book on the Calaras Brazil UFO flap. Could we be looking into already released military docs? There's a lot of info there. Um, that's one of those cases, uh, and, and flaps that I'm not going to be able to speak with authority on Johnny. I'm so sorry. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure, um, exactly how to address that. What I will say, however, is that I do have on the blackvault.com for those who are interested and even, uh, speak the language, uh, a pile of documents released from Brazil. So you'll be able to download all of those. Uh, most of them came from the late AJ Gavard, uh, but I've also got some other names and credits there. Um, so you, you might be interested there and find some answers, but they, they have released quite a bit on UAP. So hopefully you'll be able to get some, uh, answers of what you're looking for there. Uh, DBLG again, thank you for the support Do all the feds to all the feds slash CIA agents in here. Yo, that's right. Yo, to all of you feds that are, that are hanging out on my channel. I know you guys do actually, I, I, I don't want to talk about that. That might be scary. Um, yeah, the Grush comment, uh, and thank you, DBL, uh, for that, and props to all the CIA spooks that are here. Grush comment on hologram. I think the hologram, forget what it's called. Obviously, I think that lost a lot of congressmen and admittedly lost me a little bit. Uh, that, that was something that stuck out to me. I've got a note here that I jotted down that I want to revisit and see exactly what he meant. Um, interesting, but I think that it was largely lost, uh, just simply because I go back to that Congressman who said the nearest star system or whatever he said was B 
billions of light years away? Come on. I mean, unless I heard that wrong, I'll I'll put my foot in my mouth if I did, but I just thought that was the silliest thing I've ever heard. So I think that that probably what, what Grush was talking about there was largely over their heads. Admittedly, mine too. Jai Sung, Jisung, uh, is there a possibility where Congress summons list of people provided by Grush via subpoena? Well, I hope so. And that was talked about in the hearing where he said that he would provide a list even after the hearing, directly after the hearing. I forget who asked the question, but of cooperative and potential witnesses that he, that they would have to subpoena. I hope that's actionable. I, I hope I see action. I'd love to see that. That is exactly what I wanted to see or what we should have saw today. I, I know that people, for those who weren't in the beginning of this uh, broadcast now an hour and 25 minutes ago, um, people say this is a starting point and this is where they need to start. We've had starting points already. We have numerous starting points. Foundation is there. Witnesses are solid. Documentation is there. We know UAP are real, whatever they are. We know it's a problem. Uh, we know that there's air safety concerns. And uh, we need to take action. What I fear also, let me expand on that thought uh, real quick before I go back to your uh, question about subpoenaing witnesses. One thing I fear, because there was such a big percentage of today's hearing that was about the air flight safety concerns. And, and, and again, Ryan Graves really nailed it. And it's important. What I fear is, is that there was so much talk about that. When some of these congressmen, because not all will, they left the hearing early, they came in mid, asked a question or two, and then left. The ones that take action, the ones that left, and they take action, they start making phone calls, and they realize, okay, Arrow has access, the email that I just read to you, as I point up to nowhere, my monitor up here that I'm pointing at, uh, that, that the Pentagon has addressed it, that they're taking action, the office is funded, and they have access to all UAP information. That will be good enough for some congressmen. I'm not saying it's good enough. I'm saying it'll be good enough to some congressmen. So they will walk away from this hearing. And those, not all, but some that will take action will learn that they have access to everything. They're researching UAP. They're doing what they can. And that office that is doing what they can with access to everything is stating there's no evidence of extraterrestrial. That's good enough for some of them. I guarantee it. They'll lose interest. Hate to say it, but they have a ton of stuff on their on their desks. They so they're going to walk away. You're going to lose the majority of the congressmen and congresswomen in that room based on that fact alone. Mark my words. DOD's taking action, and that's what I fear is moving forward. If the wrong congressmen and congresswomen have that mindset, future hearings may, and I stress may, be hindered a little bit because action has been taken. They are looking into it. There is access already, and there's no proof of aliens. So no more hearings. Not saying I want that. I'm not saying I'm encouraging that. But rather, that's what I fear. That's why I would have loved to have seen those agency heads squirming in those chairs today versus Ryan Graves and David Fravor nailing it. Um, but we're reinforcing what we as a society already know and reinforcing what that government already knows. And even though it's not perfect, they're researching that UAP. So that's what, what I, I fear uh, is going to be kind of the repercussion of that is that it's they're playing catch up. If I saw this hearing two and a half, three years ago, excellent. That would be a great starting point. But again, we've already had the reports. We've had witness testimony uh, and pieces of evidence come out. 
And uh, we don't need any more of that. I mean, it's solid. It's rock solid. Let's move on from it. And that goes back to your question. Will they, will they subpoena some of these people? And uh, I hope so. I, I really do. I, I just fear that you'll have enough voices that go, look, let's not make this a circus. Uh, DOD is already looking into it and they'll trust the DOD. I'm not saying that's the right answer because it's actually the wrong one. However, they will trust the DOD and say, look, are we going to really allocate resources to this? There are other congressmen uh, that are making jokes about them looking into UAP, and uh, that's a problem. We shouldn't be making jokes about it, but they do. That's their mindset of some of them. So again, those voices that can be very powerful when banded together may hinder future efforts. I don't want it. Uh, I, I encourage more more UAP hearings, but sadly, it, it is something that can happen. But moving forward. I hope they subpoena those people. I hope they put them in an open hearing and I hope they make them squirm uh, just simply because the secrecy warrants them turning up the heat and making them squirm in that chair and addressing why that secrecy is there. And, and, and the claims of, of David Grush as skeptical as I am, I want it to have its day in an open hearing and, and, and let's do this. That also brings up though, uh, look at one of the past hearings where they put in the Wilson Davis notes in the congressional record. There were a lot of people that were throwing that in my face going, see, this is really serious. You know, you're, you're, you're thinking it's a hoax, which I do. And now it's in congressional record. Well, how long ago was that? And absolutely nothing has happened. And in fact, Thomas Wilson was on the record in a newspaper article, uh, or a, a, a blog entry, I think technically, but Billy Cox, a journalist from Florida who writes, uh, through his, uh, through his online blog site, I'm sorry, I don't have the, the name of it off the top of my head, but I, I had tweeted out this article. Wilson stated that nobody from Congress had contacted him. And Wilson denies the allegations in the Wilson Davis memo and says that it's all essentially poppycock and bunk. So that being said, it was inserted into the congressional record and nothing happened. Nobody called Thomas Wilson. Why not? Now, I called it a facepalm moment when that got inserted into the congressional record. I'm like, oh, God, why? And it's because I don't want people to lose interest. But did they, meaning those that submitted it, I think it was Gallagher that technically submitted it. Did they see enough without having to bother Wilson that it was bunk? And if so, are we going to start losing those congressmen and congresswomen that start looking into some of this that may be bogus claims? like the Wilson Davis documents. Sorry, I'll be proven. If I'm proven wrong, I'll be first to bring it to you. Uh, but I just don't see it. So, you know, that that's, that's a prime example, how you can have an explosive revelation like the Wilson Davis documents inserted into the congressional record. And here we are, however many uh, months later, and nothing has happened or over a year, I forget when that exactly was, and nothing. So Will it one day be addressed by the DOD? Who knows? But these are the types of things that concern me where, you know, you, you have, you have something happens that takes a step forward, but then it never goes beyond that, right? They should have been on the phone with Wilson that next day. We could have had a completely different conversation if they put him under oath and, and he, and he finally came clean. If that's what some people think they, a lot of people want to brandish him a liar because they want to believe in these notes, but Hey, look, let's, let's, let's get them under oath then. But Congress didn't feel the need. And if they don't feel the need, then what's going to be the reaction after today? And I, I don't know what it will be, but those are things to consider. And it's, um, and it's sad, uh, just, just because I really wish that, that they would address some of this stuff and then nothing ever happens. 
Spy Balloon Retrieval Program connection to UAP. Well, on, there's definitely a connection to UAP because Kirkpatrick went on the record and said he was called. So UAP could absolutely be, in some cases, spy balloons, spy tech platforms, stuff like that. So there's a connection. I think maybe what you're asking there, Pat, is whether or not like these are not spy balloons, but rather true UAP craft of, of unknown origin. That's possible, too. And uh, if you missed it in the very beginning of this video, I had talked about how the video of the Alaska shootdown is classified, but so is everything else in relation to the balloon, quote unquote, balloon shootdowns. Why would it be classified? The only thing they released was the U2 cockpit photo, just simply because it had leaked, I think. So is there a connection? Absolutely, because Kirkpatrick was called. Uh, whether or not they were truly balloons... I don't know. Seems pretty sketchy, though, that they won't release anything, uh, but we will see. Casey, thank you so much for uh, your support. Couldn't you be used for disinformation, too? It's a great question. Have to access have to access credibility. All three said overclassification an issue, but do you really think criminal acts would be disclosed via FOIA? Oh, and lie detectors are worthless. That's a loaded comment, Casey. Uh, let me unpack it. Could I be used for disinformation? Absolutely. I've said on this channel thousands of times, always take what I have to say uh, for a grain of salt uh, with a grain of salt, just simply because, look, I mean, I get the documents I get and I do my very best to source everything, but always encourage other people to fact check where, where necessary. Now, I can back up everything I, I, I say. But where I'm uh, going with that is when it comes to the government documents, just because it's a government document, doesn't mean it's absolutely gospel in the way that everything went down the way that a document tells me. And that's what I mean is that it's not always, it doesn't automatically equate to the truth. Um, sadly. And I mean, I've written, you know, shameless plug, oops, wrong side, uh, shameless plug, written books about that of where uh, government documents are not always the truth or government statements are not always the truth. I'm often ridiculed by my biggest haters out there that I say FOIA is everything. But in 26, 27 years of doing this, I've never said that it was. But it is an important piece of the puzzle. Now, through that 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 vessel of me accessing information, am I used for disinformation as well? Um, look, it's, it's a great question, uh, but I don't see it. And the reason is, is because I think that when it comes to UFOs, UFOs are, are the UFO community is the biggest enemy it has. The UFO community itself is the biggest enemy that it has. And I say that because the amount of disinformation that people that 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 then end up getting a platform just because they're saying sensational things is a is a problem. So that miss and disinformation, they don't they meaning the government, I don't think they have to. I think that the, there's enough BS out there that they can just kind of sit back and go, okay, our job is done. The, the water is so muddy with people making claims that aren't backed up. Do they really have to add more to the mix? Of course not. I mean, look at how the UFO community fights just over the Wilson Davis documents is just one example. Or the story of Bob Lazar. Are those government-sanctioned mis- or disinformation you know, uh, campaigns that are that are inserted into our conversation? In my opinion, no. I think that they're either falsified documents or, or um, um, fabricated stories or whatever it may be. Uh, and it goes well beyond Bob Lazar and the Wilson Davis documents. 
that there's enough mud out there that they don't need to do anything. So that's why I've never really been on that PSYOP bandwagon. And in the same respect, don't really think that they're going to feed me uh, disinformation in the form of like, let's say a fake document or stuff like that. Now, when it comes to disinformation through public affairs offices, I'm a little bit more open to the public affairs offices using uh, a outlet like the Black Vault to disseminate information. But the problem is, is getting answers from them is like pulling teeth. I can't get them to respond to the majority of my questions. So you would think that they were using me, uh, that they would actually respond a little bit more. Uh, so it, it's kind of funny to see the conspiracy theories that have formulated especially in the past few years about me and working with the government and on this disinformation campaign. Obviously the story of Luis Elizondo has been covered extensively on my, on my site. Um, and, and in some of those stories are Pentagon statements. People think that I'm on this big, you know, um, uh, kind of psyop to, to, to destroy his credibility or whatever. And those kind of conspiracy theories are just silly. And I think what many people are not realizing I mentioned the Liberation Times earlier. They're actually getting more statements than I am. So, and getting getting all other answers. So, you know, these conspiracy theories I think are formulated by people that want to believe that I'm Mr. Bad Guy. But when you look at the actual evidence, you know, like they're getting answers, I'm not. So if they were using me, why wouldn't why wouldn't they respond a little bit more and utilize that um, that that vessel to to put the disinformation out? So that's why. I mean, look, people have made the claim though, and that's fine. They've formulated the conspiracy theory, and that's fine. Um, somebody's going to have to prove it eventually, though. If not, it's just all kind of silly bunk. Um, so why don't they throw that conspiracy theory at the people that are getting answers from the Pentagon, but no, that's too easy. Cause those outlets are actually, uh, giving them the, the pro UFO stuff that they want to see. So they're off limits, you know, and it's, it's just funny to see the online evolution of these conspiracy theories. You know, if, if, if you tow the company line and you're hoorah UFOs, then you're the good guy. If you're a little bit more skeptical and, and what I'd like to think is I'm a little bit more grounded and evidence-based, uh, you're the bad guy, you know, when you come out and, and say that kind of stuff. So, um, could I be used bottom line? Of course. Do I see it? I don't. If anybody has any proof though, let me know. Um, all three said overclassification is, is an issue. Absolutely. The security classification guide came up. Uh, that is something that I've spoken about since the end of 2021, that is a huge issue and the biggest roadblock to getting information, not only from my, uh, from FOIA via like my own requests, but also now we see it firsthand. Congress is getting the pushback. Also the Luna and, and Burchett Eglin air force base experience. That is in my opinion, 100%, uh, 100% because of that security classification guide. And the the reason I say that quite simply is all UAP stuff is classified. I think Ryan Graves brought that up. He he's absolutely right. It's because of that security classification guide. So videos, photos, case files, stuff like that, automatically classified. And if Burchett and Luna were not cleared, it makes perfect sense. There was pushback. I don't support the pushback, but it makes perfect sense. Nonetheless, why the security classification guide. So all of this stuff absolutely is overclassified. And uh, one of the other congressmen brought this up in his question. Anybody who's seen my tweets for the last uh, couple months, even uh, the beginning of this year, when the, uh, let's say, Russian 
aggression towards our MQ-9 Reaper drones is documented within days and sometimes within hours, the military is releasing MQ-9 Reaper drone footage perfectly clear of the Russian jet that's doing the harassment, and they put it out there with absolutely no reservation. When it comes to UAP stuff, they're like, oh no, the MQ-9 Reaper drones, highly sensitive platform, so anything it captures is inherently classified, which I did verify is true, but regardless, they can still declassify it very easily and very quickly, like these Russian uh, aggression episodes have proven. Yet with UAP, it's like, oh no, we can't do that. So overclassification is an issue, and there's something absolutely fishy uh, there as well. The last part to pick apart your, your comment, do you really think criminal acts would be disclosed via FOIA? Uh, well, FOIA has made amazing revelations over the years, uh, and arguably, yeah, I think criminal acts have been exposed, especially when you get into revealing inspector general uh, allegations, reports, and stuff like that. So I think that, yeah, you can absolutely... Uh, gain that type of if I'm following your 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 comment cor correctly and accurately that yeah you can get that that type of information now through FOIA will you expose a criminal activity that nobody's noticed yet oh, I mean it depends on the criminal activity that you'd like to allege uh, but you know that 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 that's very hard to address just simply because broadly speaking FOIA can touch a lot and can see a lot and expose a lot. And if you don't believe me, just go to Google News and type in FOIA or Freedom of Information Act and look at the amount of news stories. Sometimes it's like nine paragraphs down, but FOIA has been responsible for bringing a heck of a lot of stuff to light. And, you know, it's not usually in the header or in the first paragraph, it usually is on my site because I'm a big advocate for the FOIA. But in mainstream media, like no one cares if it's through FOIA, like the, mo the most of the readers, they read the meat of the article because they want the meat of the article. They don't care about it was received through FOIA. And so it's usually like eight, nine, 10 paragraphs down. So go to Google News, you know, and see, go to the newspaper articles and, and, and research FOIA uh, as a term or a phrase and see how many newspaper articles come up. And you, you might be pleasantly surprised. There are quite a few of, of, explosive stories, bombshell stories exposed through FOIA. So look, it, it serves a huge purpose. And, um, and I really believe that and, and hope more people see it's not perfect. It's not the end all be all, but it's, it's absolutely uh, something that we need as, um, as, as a curious general public to try and figure out what's going on within the U S government. Opponus tribe, professor Mark Skidmore at Michigan State PhD students found $21 trillion missing. Bush slash HUD or uh, housing and urban development, I assume you mean. Official stated upwards of $50 trillion is missing. Where did that money go? Um, I'll be honest with you. I mean, the, those numbers are new to me. I know the story about Rumsfeld coming out that there were, I don't think it was that high though, but there was quite a few trillion dollars missing or whatever the 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 phrase that he was. And that was like a, what, September 10th, 2001. And then September 11th happened the day after I'm familiar with that number. I'm, I'm not on this one. So I'm, I'm going to have to revisit that. And I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have a better, um, answer for you, but it seems like an awfully high number. Uh, so again, I'm not doubting your claim. It just, uh, I would have to look into that a little bit more. And again, I'm sorry, I don't have a better answer for you. 
Dennis, thank you so much for uh, for being here. I think I recognize your name from from Twitter. You're always passing the word about what I do, man. I, I hope you know that I, if you're one in the same, uh, notice that and thank you for it. Mention of Homer Claw's law: if intelligence does not allow a skiff opinion, um, uh, yes, that is new to me. Uh, that did stick out, and I make a, uh, another note because I think it's on another pad here, but. Yeah, I think that that's the one where the congressman stated that he was going to uh, invoke that, that 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 he would personally do it like that. That's new to me. I, I'm I'm not familiar with the term or phrasing, but I'm I'm eager to kind of dig into that and see what exactly that entails. So if I do an, another deep dive video, and please post your comments if you want me to do it, like I did last time. This is all off the cuff, with no notes or anything. I'm just kind of answering your questions and speaking off the top of my head. But if you want a more structured breakdown, the, the way I did it last time was I took the major clips that were most important, at least to me. Again, my two cents, if it's worth that, uh, doesn't mean that much to, to others or everybody. So if you want to see it, let me know. That was a pretty popular video when I did it at the time. Maybe you guys prefer this format. I'm not really sure. But if you want to see it, let me know. And that's something that I absolutely revisit because I'm, I'm curious about it myself. Um, no question attached, but JTS, the king, thank you so much for your support of the channel. Uh, I am still going how far behind am I? About five minutes. So Mark, uh, thank you also for your support. No question attached. I do appreciate you popping in here. Just happened to be on the top of the screen. Rochi having a lot of fun. Thanks. Greenwald. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. I'm glad you're having fun too. Um, hopefully, okay, let me know. There's a couple of you that says that there's an audio problem. That was about a minute ago. Can you guys let me know if that's still going on? Audio sucks right now. Well, that's always perfect. Okay. So, okay, I'm, I'm caught back up. Let me know if the audio is back normal. Uh, I'm definitely not having, it's still bad. Somebody says I fixed it. Somebody says it's still bad. Audio's not good. Uh-oh, maybe I'll have to end this. Hate to do it. Louder. Um, not really sure. I don't know if you guys can still hear me. The moment the audio went out is as soon as I mentioned the skiff. Uh, okay, so mic normal now, fixed. It's fine now. Now nah, it's okay. Okay, it's good. It's fixed. I'm only putting those on screen so you guys know. I hope anyway that most people are saying that it's fixed. It's working fine. All right, I'm just going to keep going. That always is my nightmare where I'm just talking away. I'm 12 minutes behind on comments. And then I get and realize there's like 10 minutes of me garbled. Um, oh, Casey, uh, thank you for popping back in. Didn't think you, you were used for disinformation, but there is a rabbit hole in not trusting anything. Have used polygraphs professionally as basis for opinion. So, okay. So that was part that I apologize, uh, Casey, that I forgot to respond to about lie detector tests. Yes. I know that there's definitely some skepticism about lie detector 
uh, tests and passing and stuff like that. Bob White, uh, who I'm guessing maybe I, th- I may have mentioned it and that could be where you're, you're putting your comment on, but, uh, had passed lie detector test about his experience. And look, I know that it's not the end all be all, but it definitely helps. I think in a way, um, but your professional opinion, if you use it professionally is going to out far outweigh mine. So, so you, you, you got me beat there. Cause I I've never used them professionally. Um, but, uh, backing up on your comment, there is a rabbit hole and not trusting anybody or trusting anything. Absolutely. I'm, that has been my mantra for 26 years. I trust no one. Anybody who watches this channel will know that. And it drives some people nuts. It really does. I think that some people will look at that and go, well, man, you know, David Grush is coming forward. These are explosive claims. He's a decorated military officer. Leave him alone. How dare you be skeptical? And you know what? It's not personal. But I think I've seen in 26, 27 years, ample reason to go, okay, wait a minute. Explosive claim? That's red flag number one. Unless you can put that evidence in front of me and prove it beyond any shadow of a doubt, then um, then that's where it's going to be an issue for me. And that's that's kind of the um, the skepticism prove it later. Look, I'm the first to admit that I was wrong. Uh, I I very rarely go. This is definitively a hoax or anything like that. I'm always open to having my mind change, even about Bob Lazar, even about the Wilson Davis memo or notes. And I'm, I'm always open to it. Whenever there's something new, I love to look at it. I have no problem with that whatsoever. And if I change my mind, then I change my mind. I'm only human. So I'm, I'm always um, looking for that. But I absolutely fully support just don't trust anything and and uh, and and it'll always serve you best uh, when the evidence is there to trust and trust is earned, then don't ignore that either. I and mean, that's that's an unhealthy mindset is regardless of evidence, then you don't trust. But trust has to be earned. Uh, claims have to be proven. And, and I think that blind belief or blind allegiance to anybody uh, is definitely harmful to the conversation. Not that you're doing it, Casey, I'm just speaking broadly, but, uh, but that's, that's a dangerous mindset to be in. So I think that the people have to think a little bit more rationally. I think that, that we've lost that a little bit in some corners of this conversation. Uh, but in the same respect, I think that we, we, um, shouldn't ignore the evidence either. You know, I mean, you, you can fall down the rabbit hole, but, uh, just know you can get out periodically if there's a ladder down to you. So uh, make sure that we don't uh, for- forget that either. Good, good, good. Audio still seems to be good. Awesome. All right. Lots, uh, lots of talk. I'm glad to see so many of you uh, showed up, and I really do appreciate that. I probably will, though, end this shortly. I'll see if there's any others to address. troubled minds. Yeah. Reinforcing a point. I fully agree with Grush is a weird case. I like that. He said a lot of this stuff under oath, but now we need the actual people that worked in those programs. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent nailed it. I, I, I think that that's uh, definitely a point that I've wanted to convey. Um, and one thing that I do want to address also for those that, um, you know, if, if this may resonate with you, take it for what it's worth. But a lot of people say, well, now that it's under oath, see, he's not lying. It's all true. And, and there are a lot of people that throw that around, that it's that it's um, under oath, so ergo it has to be true. And if he was lying, that he would be put in jail. To be honest with you, everything that he has said is likely something that he believes. And when you're under oath and you say that you've heard these things, none of that is a lie. He probably has heard these things. 
he probably does believe them. And then all of that is fine. He could absolutely be right. But in the same respect, just because if it ultimately turns out not to be true or isn't true, that doesn't mean that he's going to be, you know, put in jail for perjury or violating any kind of oath or anything like that. Um, and I think that that's a big misconception that I see a lot out there about going under oath. I think he believes it. He's conveying what he heard. None of that is um, enforceable offense or anything like that. So hopefully more people will see that and kind of take a, take a step back a little bit and then just try and digest what, what Gruss really is claiming and where we need to go from here. And I think that that's going to be a very important next step. Can't make this stuff up. A history podcast. Thanks for popping in here. What do you make of Grush's allegations of murder? Yeah, those are explosive, explosive claims. Um, I, I don't think that he alleged murder. I think that that was one and I'll revisit the transcript, but if memory serves me well, he had dodged the question stating that when it came to murder, I think Birch had asked it that he would have to do so, uh, and expand in a classified setting. Look, those are explosive claims. Uh, they really are. Um, you're going to have to, if, if you're in a skiff and Congress really wants you to prove it, I hope that he has the ability to, to prove it. Conspiracy theories like that have been around for a long time where the government or men in black, they come, they show up, they threaten you, hurt you, harm you, kill you. You know, th those are, I hate to say a dime a dozen, but a dime a dozen. So if somebody really lost their life to something like this, there's a name, there's a paper trail. You're not going to make that person disappear. So I hope that they get it. And if it's true, I hope it's exposed. I have my reservations though. That's where he starts to lose me a little bit. And I would be very eager, but it, it's a long shot to hear it in a public setting, but we likely can't. What I also want to know though, is with, with answers like that, what is the reservation? Is something like that classified that they murdered somebody? Um, again, I'm not making light of it, but it, there are intriguing questions. I think that, that pop up about that, that nobody really, I think addresses or, or thinks about. There's no reason I think that he can't put that forward. Now, obviously naming names is something that in a closed door environment is much more preferred. I mean, there's, if there's an allegation against somebody, then sure, don't name the name. But I think that there could have been a little bit of a, an expansion there without violating any security oath. If, if he heard that there's that type of an issue going on where people are being murdered, um, let's hear a little bit more about it. I, 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 I don't know. I, I just th that's where I really start to get lost and a little bit uh, tied up in the way that it is said. Uh, I will give credit not to change the topic too much to, to Grush for bringing up Dopser and the fact that they're not uh, essentially endorsing. I don't think he used the word endorsement, but essentially that, it, that they were just looking for security breaches and that's all they were looking for. Um, I was a little let down though, towards the end of the hearing, he said that it was all unclassified information. Um, I don't want to play too much semantics. I cringed at that point a little bit, telling the congressman that Dopser said alien bodies and non-human craft were un was unclassified information. Um, I don't think that that was entirely accurate in the way that he said it. I mean, of course, it's not classified or Dopser would have said something. But those types of things really start to lose me. And, and again, I'm playing semantics there a little bit. I get it. Uh, but in the same regard, I think these are important questions 
and and really does does feed those red flags for me when it comes to Grush's more explosive claims. Um, how that will play out with Congress, I don't know, but we will see. For the record, we still have yet to see Grush's cleared Dobser statement, um, whatever he submitted to Dobser. I believe it's four pages based on the graphic, I think, from News Nation. Where is that? We still haven't seen that. And it's fully cleared by Dobser. Not endorsed, but cleared. I have made that uh, argument now for a couple months since Grush appeared. Where is that? The only leeway I was giving to it, and then I'll move on, but the only leeway I was giving to it not being shown was were they holding on to something to reveal today? And I thought in a, in a under oath environment to a congressional committee, I was holding on hope to that. It was a long shot of a hope, but I was hoping that the cleared statement and for, and let me just quickly explain what the heck I'm talking about in case you don't know. Before he came forward, before Grush came forward, he submitted a statement that he was going to come out with to News Nation responses to questions that they were going to ask. And as we are led to believe, non-human intelligence, non-human craft, non-human bodies, all of that was cleared by Dobser to talk about. Again, stressing not an endorsement or fact check, but rather there was no classified information in it. That's what we were led to believe. Well, if it's cleared, then we should be able to see it. Okay, so that's the quick preface, so you know what I'm talking about. But what I was hanging on to, even though I've been highly critical for them not releasing those things, is that maybe one day, and obviously today it happened, but that maybe one day he would reveal something else, but it was more appropriate to a congressional committee. And sadly, I didn't hear that today. So the same question that I've stressed for a couple months now is even more important published the Dopser statement that he put in or submission, whatever it was, and uh, and release it. Let's see what the DOD looked at and said, no, this is um, not not containing any classified information. You can talk about this in an open setting. That's what I want to see. And some of you may get tired of me uh, constantly driving that point home, and I don't blame you, but it's an incredibly important point, and a lot of questions would be answered if he were to to release that. But to date... As of the recording of this, the day of the UAP hearing, he has not. Limes Inferior, who were the people next to Corbell and Knapp, and are they significant? Part of disclosure or part of disinformation, in your opinion? Well, one of which was um, behind David Grush was his attorney, that I didn't, that there's been rumor that he's still representing him, uh, but that was the former ICIG that kind of overlooked his whistleblower complaint. I'm drawing a blank on his name, so I apologize. But that's who that was. I believe next to Knapp's other side was um, James Clapper, which I found interesting. I'm I'm 95% sure that was him. He has a very unique look. Uh, but it the shot usually wasn't that wide. So uh, I popped on this live stream pretty much after I, I, I watched the UAP hearing. Then for those who watched the Hill and rising TV, I was on with the Hill. Uh, and then I popped on here and here I have sat uh, since then. So I'm going to try and go back to where it was a wide shot and see who that was. 
disclosure or part of disinformation. I think it was just kind of neither. I, I, I think that, again, the one attorney made sense for Gresh to have him there just in case the, the congressmen were pushing into areas that uh, Grush shouldn't answer. I did see Grush talk to the attorney uh, at least twice, I think, uh, where he kind of leaned back and talked to him and you know, I'm I'm sure Corbell and Knapp heard it. Whether or not they'll disclose what they heard, I'm not I'm not sure. But um, that 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 was uh, at least his role was probably, and I'm I'm kind of guessing. But as rumor has it, he still represents Grush, so he's probably there as a safety net. Like, hey, look, the whistleblower complaint is still open. You can't go there. Can't go here. Don't say this. Don't say that. Um, so there was there was a little consultation there during the hearing. And then Clapper, if it was definitely uh, Clapper, uh, fascinating. I'd love to know why he was there, front row seat, but um, I'm not sure as I'm recording this. All right, a couple more here, and then I'm going to close this out. I think I saw... I thought there was one more. I hope I didn't miss one of the Super Chats come in. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm caught up there. So before I, before I get into a bad audio situation again, uh, it's been a couple hours. So what I'm going to go ahead and do is get some lunch. Uh, but on top of that, take some of the notes that I wrote from you guys and, and likely maybe formulate a more structured video with highlights and, and some more comments and commentary if you guys want to see that. Uh, but that'll likely be, you know, a week or so in the next week or so. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough for, for showing up. I always love doing these things kind of off the cuff. Thank you for your patience with the bad audio. And again, with no structure, I, I hope I held your attention. Okay. And, uh, and, and it was worthwhile for you to, to come aboard, but always love doing this while you're here. If you could hit that thumbs up button, if you're on YouTube, make sure you share, like the video, subscribe to the channel, all that good stuff. As the kids say, uh, smash the like button. I think they, they term it that way, whatever. Just click the thumbs up. It really helps me a lot. And then make sure that you're uh, subscribed to the channel and, and have the notifications on because hopefully I'll do more of these live streams in the future. That'll tell you when videos drop, when the live stream goes live. If you are watching on Facebook or Twitter, definitely go to the blackvault.com slash live. That's what I'm referring to with the YouTube channel that will forward you over. Make sure you're subscribed there. I don't always broadcast to all the social media networks. So you, you may be missing out if you think it's going to pop up on Facebook, just simply because of the nature of the social media beasts. Uh, sometimes it only ends up on YouTube. That said, thank you again for watching, for listening. Truly do appreciate your support. And it's always great to see your comments and feedback. The chat was incredibly busy. I'm sure I missed a ton of questions from you all. I apologize for doing so, but we'll do it again soon. Thank you so much. This is John Greenwald Jr. signing off, and we'll see you then. 